Hello everyone and welcome to your uncle's beach house episode 10. I'm Jackson. I'm joined as always by M. Gundam time. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm also joined uh, by our friend Rick. Say hello Rick. Hello. Hello. This is a podcast uh, that's been due for a while that was originally going to be about something else, but um, <laughs> we didn't do I that. killed it. I killed it dead. <laughs> we killed it dead. I thought of a really dumb goof. You could put the theme song on top of this episode. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we did the, remember when in the other podcast we didn't do Chrono Trigger? Uh, well, we're here today to do Nausicaa instead. Um, yeah. We're talking about Nausicaa. We're talking specifically about the manga, that we did watch the film. Yeah, I am new to all Nausicaa. Um, and read it, watched it, did the whole thing. Uh, yeah, I couldn't believe you hadn't seen the movie yet. There's a lot of... Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> no defense, really. I also big... watched it after I read it. Mm-hmm. But that was a long time ago. I was going to like read it first and then watch it, but uh, that was the wrong way. I got very shortly into it. I was like, I have to watch the movie right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it. Before we go uh, too deeply into it, Rick, do you want to tell us why you picked it? Uh, that isn't because Em didn't want to do Chrono Trigger. <laughs> Cross, Chrono Cross, we did Chrono Trigger. This has always been like one of my go-tos for just showing people comics. <laughs> it's like it's it's not that long. It's like one of the ones I have that's not like twenty-seven volumes. Yes, which is nice, and it looks gorgeous. <laughs> His art style transfers really well to the page, and it always has. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys think that way. I kind of think that way. We'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah we'll talk about that, because I, I think the style's very good, uh, but there's some like weird page. It doesn't read as well as you'd want. And I'm unsure where you began with Miyazaki, but this one always reads like a more complete form of the one I like the most, which or the one I liked the most at the time, which was uh, Mononoke. Hmm. And this is clearly one that came after, that came before Mononoke in that way. Yeah, I, I am on, uh, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I'm on record as saying I don't like Princess Mononoke very much, so. <laughs> I've not seen Mononoke, because I haven't seen anything apparently, because I'm a fraud. <laughs> but uh, the manga specifically, very much like a version of Mononoke. Like, he basically just readapted the back half of this manga into Mononoke, I feel like. Oh, okay. Without the bigger elements. Yeah. Uh, so, what do we want to begin when talking about this? The movie? Question mark. The movie, yeah, because like for me, I I um I got into the manga. Well, one, I got into the manga and read it the wrong way because I didn't realize it was left to right. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was old enough that it was fl- It was everything was flipped for the American it's, release. I just automatically I see the manga. It's it had the um, Japanese text in the first page, so I thought it was a scanlation. It's like, oh, you got to read right to left, like what you do with all this manga. There was not. It was very confusing. Oh, wait, you was left to right? Yes. Oh, mine's right to left. Yeah, there's uh, multiple versions of this out there. Um, yeah, I, I read it like I would read any other manga, but it turned out it was, you know, it was from the era where they were flipping them. So before oh. uh, everyone, you know, because Akira's that as well in the, uh, the Western release, I think. Uh-huh. I don't know about the recent ones, but the, the, definitely the one I have is. Uh, and also, I was just kind of confused by the story. I mean, I, I did read it the right way as well. I did fix that. <laughs> uh, but the the story was just a lot, very dense, uh, and it was very um, 
like the art style is interesting but it's also a lot of small panels with characters that are all wearing masks all talking about politics and i'm like i don't know who anyone really is i'm gonna watch the movie first i bet that will help a lot and guess what it did <laughs> it really did uh and i think the movie so yeah we'll talk about the movie first and then we'll get into the comic because uh, that'll be the bulk of the discussion i thought the movie's incredible um i mean to surprise anyone with these nasca takes yeah uh, but the, the movie's really good, actually- and it's interesting how it how much it does cut and then change for those early like it's a like volume and a half I think is what it covers. Yeah, it's the first uh, first volume and a half. It's really not that much, um, and the way it takes the like that like framework of the story and then like edits certain things around it in order to make it like feel like a complete work is really smart. Um, uh, like things, there are things that don't happen in the comic at that point, like. Um, uh, Nasca's dad dies very early. Uh, that whole action scene has changed to be in that room too. Yes, uh, the relationship between um, the like political entities is drastically simplified. Uh, well, the one empire isn't even in the movie, right? Yeah, the the, the idea that that uh, the Valley of the Wind is a like protectorate bound by ancient treaties and its an- um, anonymity. What's the what's the word for agency? I guess. Uh, only exists autonomy that's what i'm looking for it's autonomy is like a lie and only exists so far under certain uh, rules it's just gone and you just have two competing powers uh and it simplifies itself in a very smart way miyazaki might be very good at structuring story i don't know if you know this um but it's, it's very good uh one thing that took me kind of by surprise was the soundtrack uh i think it i mean i i know i assume this is like a cold take and it's like a classic soundtrack in its own right do you not know who this is it's what well, the soundtrack yeah, the guy who did it was Joe Hayashi, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that does all of these <laughs> like... and Sonatine and um, Hanabi, the Takashi Kitano films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whose name I read early, like earlier today was is a it's Quincy Jones in Japanese. What? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, like Joe Hizashi. Like Hizashi is another word for Quincy, and then Joe. <laughs> Like, he liked the guy? I don't know. There's a weird story right on Wikipedia. Man, yeah. Sure. Why not? <laughs> uh, I, too, enjoy Wikipedia holes. Uh, <laughs> God. Uh, uh, yeah, I had, a, I had a great time in the movie. I don't know what... Um, I know you had, like, you've, I assume both of you have seen the movie years and years and years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And revisiting it for this, what are, you, what are your immediate thoughts on the film? Uh, so I generally like, so my, the thing with the manga is, uh, I don't think Miyazaki's like the greatest mangaka in the world. Uh, part of this is that Nausicaa is all drawn in pencil and I feel like especially early on the pencil work is very cramped and cluttered and hard to parse. Um, and he gets better at this as it goes on, but like the, the ways in which Nausicaa the comic is like very monochrome, like monochromatic and, uh, like drawn, uh, just doesn't read like most manga to me. Like it put me in mind of like European comics more than it did Japanese comics, uh, which is a field I don't have a ton of experience in and just felt very different and alien to me, which worked for the comic given its subject matter. But I also like, I read like three volumes. I'm like, I'm going to go back to the movie and make sure that I like have this all in my brain again. Cause it's been some years yes. since I've seen it and it, it did help a lot. And also, um, the manga ends, starts taking much longer to come out after the movie's been made and the <laughs> manga keeps going. And I think that those breaks actually help. Um, 
and change like the t- tenor of the manga as Studio Ghibli and Miyazaki are making more movies. Um, and this becomes like more of like a dumping ground of ideas that aren't finding their way into Miyazaki works. Um, like on film. Uh, I think that helps it a lot find its like direction and tone. Um, and part of that is like the cool, like, like the cooler ideas, of the manga that aren't reflected in the movie start to come in towards the end here. Um, when it becomes more about like, the broader prophecy mysticism stuff that isn't necessarily the movie. The movie is more about like discerning the ecology of this world. Um, and the, the book figures that out and then still has like three volumes to go. So. Yep. <laughs> and then changes that at the very end again yes. on you. Yeah. Uh, I just realized that both the things I've brought to this are the things that have started and then taken like 12 years to finish. Yeah. Yeah, they're both seven parts long <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> that's really weird <laughs> I also thought this it's a meaningless comparison but it is funny um, so I saw this after I read the comic because after I, I got out of watching anime because I just could read faster than I could watch stuff you know what fair yeah, enough yeah no same <laughs> I was what reading I was reading Um, I was watching Monster the Urasawa series and that's just a slow burn ass crime I story. Really so if you are reading that in books, you can fly through that story. No, because it's like seventy episodes. They're all on my hard drive. It's fairly high on my list to show that I watch, <laughs> uh, but it's fucking long. And yeah, Nausicaa is great, but I think I gravitate more towards his other work because I've I read the manga a lot, so it's like I have that in my head all the time. Mm-hmm. So like I'll re- I'll watch Castle in the Sky more than I'll watch this hundred mm. percent. Yeah, but. I, I still haven't seen a lot of the older ones too. Like I'm missing Kiki's and Porco, I think, mm-hmm. and Totoro. I, yeah, yeah. I've I've only seen three Miyazaki films. I'm a, Which ones? Like, I've seen um, this one. I've seen Nazca. I've seen Kiki, and I've seen The Wind Rises. I don't. I, okay. you, you have an anime podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Mononoke on VHS because that came out of VHS. I the first the first Miyazaki film I saw was Mononoke on VHS. Um, yeah, that dub is a hell of a thing. Yes. How's the dub? I didn't watch a dub for uh, this one. Oh, the the dub's pretty good. The Nausicaa dub is great. Uh, special shout outs to Patrick Stewart as Lord Yupa, who's just yeah, great. I, I oh, cast, that sounds like, great. Oh, hey, yeah. You know, <laughs> Um, the mains, uh, cause it's, all these are like the Disney era. It's, uh, Alison Lohman as Nausicaa doing a good job and, uh, Shia LaBeouf as Asbel also doing a good job. I need to 2005, watch this, re- I need to re-watch this dubbed. Uh, <laughs> uh, Uma Thurman is, uh, Princess Kushana and. Is she really? Yes. Wow. And Chris Sarandon is Kurotoa. They're all, they all do really great jobs. Uh, Edward James almost is Mito. It's, you know, the Disney Miyazaki dubs are great because they just get like, they, the kids are usually always Disney stars, but they do, they try to have them produce good work. And then you get actors that wouldn't, you wouldn't normally think would do movies like this doing voice work instead of like, you know, DreamWorks celebrity casting. And so you just, they just tend to be really good quality. I, I like them a lot. I always think of the intro to Mononoke with Keith David. Mm hmm. That always sticks. Yeah, and that dub is just incredible, too. It's ruined by Gaiman, too, I think. Or he had a pass on it. It was a weird time. The 90s. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, there is, like, an earlier 85 dub of Nausicaa. I have not heard any of that. It, I bet it's a wild ride. <laughs> yeah, I looked at the Wikipedia for it, and it looks like the 85 um, Nausicaa. Like, it, it dubs the wrong word. Like, just complete. Edit. Yes. Like, it's 85 minutes long. Yeah. 
Uh, but it sounds like a great, a good situation in that 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 happening is why every other Ghibli movie was like, no, you released this fucking thing like it is because Jesus Christ, that's not happening again. Yeah. Well, there was that part two where he wrote this comic without the intention of making it into a movie. Yes, the the incredible bit on the Wikipedia page where it's like <laughs> when he made the deal that he would uh, he would do this this comic for Animage. He's one of the the terms of the deal was that they wouldn't make it into a movie. Uh, less than two years later, <laughs> in cinemas now. <laughs> Yeah. Well, the, st- the rest of the story is that he did uh, Cal Strogo as his first directorial movie, yeah. and that blew up, and they're like, we need their movie from you. What are you going to do? He's like, I don't know. What if you do this one? It's like, oh, fine. Yeah, that's what I do when I go, oh, fine. I make fucking Mouska. <laughs> also, like, because it's in Anamaji, this is running, like, a side previews of, like, Macross, because it's 82. <laughs> Yeah, like, it's 82 in your Mildred magazine, you're reading this alongside previews of Vodoms and Macro. And Just. life is good. <laughs> <And> dirty <laughs> pair. <laughs> Speaking of, like, him, like, being completely um, uh, modest, the back of Volume 1 has that. Did you guys have that text piece in the back of Volume yes. 1? Yes. The last paragraph of that where he says, oh, yeah, now I'm doomed because I have to finish this giant comic I started. <laughs> and he makes this. I hate him sometimes. <laughs> oh. So we should probably talk about the actual thing, yeah, what it's about. Thing, we kind of talked about the yeah. film a little bit. Uh, of, uh, um, I don't know the best way to approach this, but I... Okay, um, so in brief, if you've never seen or read Nausicaa, Nausicaa yes. is about a post-apocalyptic Earth. Uh, a horrible thing happened a thousand years ago called the Seven Days of Fire, which seems like it was like a Such nuclear a catastrophe. Um set about by like giant mechs that had like burned the world and poisoned everything or maybe everything was poisoned beforehand nebulous at first uh and now everyone is in like a recovering like agricultural state um semi-steampunk because there's like the remnants of technology around um but because the earth has been poisoned large swaths of the earth have become like noxious 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 forests uh filled with giant bugs uh, that are just incompatible for human life. And Nausicaa is the princess of the Valley of the Wind. And she is a sympathetic, like, animal-loving girl who wants to explore these spaces and has a way of communication with other life forms that uh, means that she's maybe fated to do this. Uh, maybe there's a prophecy. <laughs> um in the meanwhile, there's like a huge war going on between the empire that the Valley of the Wind is like vassal to, roughly, right? Uh, called the Toriumekian Empire. And they are invading a, uh, like another land called the Dorok. Uh, they, Wikipedia just says Dorok lands, but Doroks. Uh, and they have the, can like the, a remnant of the Seven Days of Fire, like a god warrior that the Tokubini Empire wants to capture slash destroy slash whatever and so the peaceful guy of the wind is thrown into this war scenario at the end of the world as nausicaa tries to find a peaceful middle path yep i think that's roughly I, it the first thing that's that, that's the first two volumes yeah but i mean that's like the premise uh-huh. <laughs> i want to think that's really interesting about the um the manga as compared to the movie is that in the movie Nausicaa just kind of comes off as um 
Miyazaki protagonist, but uh, like Fist and the North Star level overpowered um, <laughs> in terms of how just she is going to find the, the truth of things. And no, actually, we can be friends and everything. Uh, whereas the manga is very deliberately known that there is something different about this girl, right? That, that is not is no longer the subtext of the sheer powers of the protagonist and uh, her empathy. There is like an actual force at play here. Mm-hmm. Um and so making that explicit was interesting because I I, I, I kind of like the movie just her being the most protagonist that had ever happened. Because <laughs> no one else had apparently thought to not shoot. They're, they're all just going to shoot each other, but she's like, no, we mustn't. Maybe nature is good um, for two hours. And it's great. The thing else with the setting I like is that I always forget this while I'm reading it, but they're all using plastic weapons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're all ceramic. Yeah, they're all ceramic because there's no like metal anymore. Or and or like shells of yeah. bugs, and all the armor I think is not metal either. No, it looks like our metal armor, but it, I don't know if it actually. Is. It's ceramic armor because there's that amazing line where Yipa is like, "This is my armor is made from uh, ohm shell. Yours is just ceramic armor, so you are oh, fucked." Yeah. <laughs> um, which is one of the most badass things anyone's ever done. Where it, to stop a fight, uh, Yipa jumps in the middle and just puts his arm in the way of. Uh, of Nazca's sword and just get stabbed. Uh, that first action scene is one of like the like the early times where you truly see how like he can stage and draw like action. Like it mm-hmm. moves like the wind. Also, like it's light uh-huh. and airy, and she flies. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Uh, like the thing it re- reminds me of is like the way that uh, uh, Dark Knight uh, returns. Like Frank Miller draws Batman like floating in the air. Yupa is always like in motion, like up in the air, leaping and about to murder someone. Uh, yes. He rarely draws like the actual point of violence, but just like the threat of violence of uh, Yupa specifically leaping on people. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And then I guess like, I don't know what, but there's a lot in this comic that is clearly like taken and ran with by other people. Yes. I mean, this, Which this, this starts whole, early. This whole text just feels like the last. Like, I mean, every JRPG ever is this. Like, every single one. They're all this. Um, half of anime that has followed this is, is from this. Like, it's uh, all here. Uh, specifically, uh, Evangelion Rebuild 2.0 is also this to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There, there's a lot of Ava in here. Yeah. Like, um, Kushana's mom has a doll of her yep. that she thinks is her daughter. Yeah. Uh, this. Because. I said out loud during the movie at uh, the bit where they uh, released the the God Warrior, and it kind of like just becomes this weird inhuman mess as it collapses. I'm like, ah, oh, the old men at Sailor won't be happy at this. Uh, <laughs> and then I go to the Wikipedia page and find out fucking Arno in uh, like animated that scene. <laughs> um, I also like there's uh, in the middle of the comic, like well after the part that's been adapted in the movie, Nasca gets involved in the war effort like directly, like she's yes. basically like you know uh, pressed in by just being associated with these people into this war. But she literally Final Fantasy X Chocobo war rides into battle, and there's like this whole incredible sequence of her fighting and refusing to fight and being protected on this Chocobo that is just incredible. <laughs> Uh, yeah. They are also just chocobos. They're <laughs> just chocobos. And it's before chocobos yep. too. Yeah, yep. I double checked that. <laughs> yeah. God. And then right after that is when the whole thing shifts. I'm pretty sure. Yes. Because four is when the the mold comes in. Yes. Uh, yes. Because in this, uh, there's an artificial mold that's been created, 
as like a Chemical new weapons. type of biological weapon. Yeah, I just said this. What the story shift is interesting because it feels like the 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 plot is like progressing and they're finding out these these different perspectives on this war. But then the entire last like four chapters feel like it, it's hard to describe the exact like uh, feeling of them, but it's it's almost as if you're always at all times about 20 pages from the end yes um during the uh during the last like all of the last four books like from chapter four to chapter to uh collection seven uh because there's the ending with like the mold it seems like that's it it's all burned into this mold situation that's like the end of the world and then they kind of get through that and then uh, nazca's like in a nothing space for a while uh, and they get through that as well, and then they, you know, and then she births the God Warrior and is like its mum for a while, and then that's still in it in volume six of seven. And then seven's got seven's huge. Yeah, yeah. I forgot like how big that thing is. Long. It was it was more it was more money. It was said five hundred yen on it, and I was like five hundred whole yen. Jesus, manga's cheap. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was sure about people going to like. Japan and getting like like finding like hundred dollar hundred yen manga in like stores for like just bulk thing and like oh my god. Uh, the thing I like about this turn towards because like uh, what reading this uh, we hadn't really talked about what we thought. I was pretty down on this like the first three volumes, three four volumes, and then around the time of this turn when it starts doing new things with the idea, I ended up really liking the back half of this. Um, and part of that is, like, so much of Nausicaa and the movie explicitly is, like, and this is, like, the sci-fi trope, right? It's, like, at the end of the world, like, people are going to pick up the old world weapons and repeat the mistakes of the past. Uh, and that's fine, I guess, and, like, it's in here. But the thing that the manga does is, like, no, people are just going to invent whole new mistakes to make. Uh, and the mold and the ways in which, like, even here where everything has been destroyed and some people are digging up the old monstrosities and some people are just trying to make new ones at a rapid pace uh why do you need uh nuclear weapons and you can just invent a surveillance state you know like the world in which the escalation of new ideas is just as bad as the old ones uh i like that stuff i think it's a nice like commentary on even the universe as presented by the movie um because like i like the movie a lot i think it's compassionate and nice but also at the end of the day the god warrior falls apart and she makes the bugs go back and then everyone shakes hands and his best friends and flies away over the credits and it's kind of ludicrous <laughs> given some of the, the themes of the early movie and especially the yep. themes of the manga which is much more about like the end of the world is not going to stop people from fighting each other and factionalism uh they will just keep going as everything burns <laughs> Uh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, I'd like to believe isn't true, but you know, we live in a society. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm curious what everyone like thinks of the uh, like the final uh, sections of this manga. Because it goes through, so it goes through all these ideas and then basically presents you with the big final situation, right? Which is that the the forest and the the miasma and the the corruption um was like deliberate we um, so in the movie yeah. it's presented as the for the bugs and the forest are like a new type of ecosystem that exists to, that is purifying the earth slowly like it's going to take a long time yes. but eventually all of the pollution slash radiation or whatever you want to call it that is poison the earth is going to be cleaned up by the bugs if you can just learn to live in harmony with them and that's what the manga goes with until the end where it presents no that's not actually what's happening here 
Yeah, no. it was the the forest and the bugs were created by the people living at the end of time at the end of days basically to cleanse the earth for themselves. Yes. And they're all and in they they're all in cryostasis in, just waiting for the day. Yeah, they're the Patriot AI. They want to uh, ride out the apocalypse in the arc called Ever. <laughs> yes. And in the meantime, everyone who's existed has been genetically altered to be able to thrive in a poisoned world. But if the world is ever purified, they supposedly will not be able to thrive. Uh, whether that's true or not, nebulous. But uh, because, you know, evolution's a real thing that will happen. But uh, supposedly, like, if the world was purified tomorrow, everyone in the Nosca universe would die because they couldn't handle it. Like so, all the characters that we see are just like they're not like clones, but they are. They are like a dead is... end caretaker of what's yes. left of the world. Yes. Uh, so she blows that up with rules. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, she makes the that choice. last scene where she blows up. It rules yeah. so much. Her giant speech. Yes. Yeah, because she decides that no, giving the Earth back to the people who ruined it uh, is a bad idea, and. Assuming that all of her, the world she knows, is just like a temporary state meant to die, also a bad idea. What if we just blew up the, uh, you know, kill the past, if you have to? <laughs> uh, she does. That th- that whole thing blows the fuck up, because she's got a god. Yep. It also, it also scene... blows up in a huge spew of, like, blue blood, which I think is very good. Because, like, the, yeah. the arc, or the crypt, ble- like, bleeds the same blood as the Omu, which I think is cool. Yeah, and they, uh, they specifically call out right at the very end and then say, we're not going to bring that up because let's not scare people. <laughs> There's that whole great scene, too, at the end where she's talking to the, the, the people in this cube that have been overlaid onto the Jester's face. Mm-hmm. That... It's just so, like, it's such a good, like, flat face. It just looks so creepy while they're talking. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think of all the characters? So, the thing I think is interesting about Nausicaa in the book specifically is, like, she's meant to be, uh, like, she goes through a lot more. And I feel like the arc of her as, like, someone who grows and changes is more dramatic. I don't know how much I, like, enjoy some of it. There's a lot of Nausicaa is, like, the mother figure of the world who's going to soothe all these people in their time of need by being, like, the graceful, beautiful, like, Madonna of, like, the end of the world. Um, And I think that stuff is, like, kind of, you know, guy riding a young girl protagonist in a thing. Um, And it's weird because I feel like Miyazaki generally stays away from this kind of depiction in his film work. Uh, But I think Nausicaa kind of leans into that. Uh, but the ways in which she also just becomes more militarized as the thing goes on and her relationship, like with, uh, Oma, the God warrior that she names and like treats as a child that starts as like, I just need to make sure this thing doesn't kill my friends and ends with like, this thing is like, is as close to a child as I'm going to have. And we've gone through this journey together and I'm going to use it to change the world the same way that like the people did back in the seven days of fire. But also, like, it's not depicted as, like, a bad thing that she decides to choose, like, pick up this weapon. Like, her using it is good because the context is good. Um, yeah. Because I was in, because the movie is, like, so generally, like, ecologically minded and pacifistic, the part where the manga is like, no, sometimes you just need to use the nuke on the ba- the worst thing in the world, and that's fine if you have to, uh, was very surprising to me, and I ended up liking that a lot. 
unsurprisingly, people yeah. with the Twitter account Time to Go Access really like if you just use the nuke on the bad guys sometimes. <laughs> sometimes if, you just, if all the bad guys are in one room, why wouldn't you blow that room up? Yeah. In fact, you're morally obligated to blow that room up. So I, so my thing is that I think all this stuff is really good and interesting, um, but I ultimately was very... Let down is the wrong word, but I do think that there's a uh, disappointing... Um, like limits to its visions of what like a radical possibilities are in this world because it only because it gets so far right like most you know i've played fucking persona they do this and they just go they they yell at the the chaos god that maybe things are fine then we do nothing and that's it that's what you get um right like and this is much better than that but it's still like the the um the character of the the uh tarmacian um princess was weird to me because she's like presented at the end as like the the reasonable one right like she's the one that t- turns away Tarmekia from being a land of kings uh she does a genocide it's the first thing she does yeah uh, um and th- i think it's really uh i don't know how like intentional because i i, th- I think the story thinks she is cooler than i do like just this is it's not on the level of the fucking um cornelia running out as a hero at the end of Kogias. well she literally um, becomes denethor in return of the king right she's like there's yeah. gonna be no kings i will usher, usher in an era of like stewards of the empire and we will rule by not by like the divine right but by like the de facto right because there is no king but also you're just you're just the fake king <laughs> Yeah, so I, so I'm like thinking if 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 Nelska can get the catharsis of using the the God Warrior uh, because it's the right thing to do, and, you know, we sometimes it's the right thing to do. I all I was thinking of was the scene um, early on where uh, what's the, Aster? Aster is that his name? The, Asbel. Asbel uh, shows up and sees that she's riding with uh, the American princess. It's like she fucking burned my village to the ground like even if this is the right thing to do i I have a moral right to stab her in the face uh and i that's actually the one thing they ever pay off too right yeah and i it was one of the the biggest sticking points in the whole story for me because it's like the genocide doer that's not really resolved it's not really played as like um it's not played as like an interesting hypocrisy right this is for the greater good of the world it just kind of let go at a point Mm mm-hmm uh, that she's going to be better than those before her. Uh, so no, it was just a bit. It was just a bit frustrating that it, uh, while being so um, radical at the ideas of uh, the bigger things that the like people inside the people from the past and, the, and like hidden in the big uh, temple um, represented, I wanted a little bit more interrogation of like the structure of their own society because it seems like they just go back and d- keep doing the same things, but it's representative democracy now. Yeah. Uh, which again, not a very n- novel complaint. Local anime not communist enough for local leftist. Um, uh, but you know, it is what it is. Also, she is really cool when she fights with Yuba. She's very cool. I like. <laughs> I, I also like Cornelia and Kogias, but that's a much stupider <laughs> work than Miyazaki is making here. Like, I would like to hold this to a better standard. <laughs> Those Hydra fights are so fucking cool. Oh, the design of the... Mm, the, the weirder monster stuff that is not in the movie because it's only the first two uh, the first two volumes. Like the, the weird pickle so cool. Hydra monsters? Yeah! And the guy with the, the, uh, the, um, the Dorok Emperor with his with his mono-eye mask. Oh, my God. The multiple Dorok eyes. Emperors with their whole deal, their whole situation. <laughs> so the thing, the thing about... Um, 
what's her name? The uh, Princess Kushana. The thing I like that's in the movie that is not in the books is she's like, she's basically like half cyborg because she's had, like she's full metal alchemist. She lost her arm and her leg and their metal, like metal that she can manipulate. And they talk about that as like, just like she is suffered and sacrificed. and is something slightly different than like normal humans because this is like a, not a, not a technologically advanced state, but she's got magical armor and that's like a very different and evocative thing. Uh, and in the book, she's not that, but the, the Doric emperors are all either like, I'm putting myself in clones or I've been life extended and I'm just like a weird old man who's lived like a thousand years or whatever. Um, and they're just like wires. cybernetic weirdos. And I think that they're, they're so evocative and interesting to have these holdovers. But I think it, I think it's more interesting when it's in a character like Kushana who like has at least some sympathy with her. Um, we're like, she's like seen as like a parallel of Nausicaa, right? Like Nausicaa in the book goes from a character who's like super peaceful to one who is willing to wield weapons to like solve the situation. Whereas Kushana, it starts off doing genocides and ends up being like, I will put down the swords because that is the path to like grace and she's wrong. But the book doesn't really necessarily know that. <laughs> um, but I think, I think that stuff with her being like half cyborg is way more interesting. Uh, than when it's just like the evil emperors who are just creeps. <laughs> They're just giant oh. creeps with their weird cyber masks. <laughs> I do think, unfortunately, like, um, for a, for a book that purports, right, to be all about the ideas of changing our definitions of not like humanity necessarily, but of like what is pure and corrupt, right? That these are artificial ideas that we have projected onto the world. Mm -hmm. Like, ideas of pure values, uh, of like, inherent goodness uh goes into the level of here are the evil guys they've got fucked up like tech tech on them because they're not human anymore uh is definitely a frustrating like thinking emoji turn right yes uh and i agree uh, that it works much better being on the like parallel protagonist who's also done some fucked up shit like it just works better in that context yes the thing i do like is when like the ghost the shadow of the Miralupa like of the that emperor like goes into Nasca's mind and she like pulls him out and redeems him and he just kind of wanders off into the purified lands as like like this like you know magical fool figure that is now just returned to like a state of nature that stuff's really good i like that a lot the part where that scene's really good the part where uh whole... the other emperor shows up in his new clone body with his like giant eye like legend of zelda mask is very weird to me because it's just a legend of zelda mask i think if i shoot an arrow at it he'll, yes uh, exactly I'll be, to... <laughs> I'll be able to go in and get a hit on his big tail well that's the hedras too they're all like shoot the head yeah they're all like immortal unless you kill them in the head. Yeah. These buff cactars show up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then they it, twist that too because like the thing in the garden at the very like right before the end is also a hedra. Yeah. Yes. So so it like means a lot of different things over the course of the series. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of stuff in this book. Uh, it's weird because, like, I was like, I don't know if this is going to be, like, one I really like. But then I thought the ending was super interesting. And I'm like, I should reread this now that I have my expectations set for what's in it. Because as someone who's seen the movie, like, three or four times, uh, I was not prepared for what was in this book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the other thing I like, too, is that I I always am surprised because they give the God Warrior a real personality at the, like, the very end. Yeah, when, like when she when starts when she, actually talking about justice and like g growing as a person. Yeah, when she names the God Warrior, it immediately seems to like 
like recognize its own personhood and start developing that way, which I think is really interesting. Um, Cause like Arbiter they're, they're just justice. depicted as like walking nukes, right? They're just mechs. In... Yeah. And it's giving off radiation the whole time. Yes. Killing her. Well, she's carrying it around. The part where uh, all of the side characters that you liked in the movie die in the book uh, is a funny and it's like overwrought tragedy. Even, even the little, even Teto dies. Teto's death is a lot. Yes. Because he just gets the death of like, let's check in on Teto. Oh, he fucking died back there? What? Yes, that's because they all radiation poisoning and they've all been up on a mountain freezing to death. And so the little fox could not survive that, obviously. Oh, poor Teto. God. Uh, not not ashamed to know uh, to to admit that that got me as cheap as it was as cheap as I killed the little fox thing. <laughs> yep. Um, there's a good scene with that where she gets furious at someone being like, "Why are you crying over this tiny fox thing?" Yes, it's right after that. Yeah, yeah. It's the guy. It's the Hedra in the garden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just flipping through this thing now. It looks so good. <laughs> it's a problem having all the books right next to me. I do think the books they do definitely look better as they go on. Like I think yes. that the, there's a lot of incredible art throughout, um, but there's like there must have I'm, it gets bigger. Also, the panels like it, it widens out yes. a lot. Because I think one of the biggest problems that the book has in its early going is it's like in a modern manga or in a manga not not even modern manga in like Dragon Ball or something. There's a better use of like here's a fucking big panel or a splash page to direct you like this is the scene we're here it's on this character and this is what we're talking about and like you know that's a much more simplified like it's basically a gag manga so it's a much different beast yeah uh, but I do think that uh, definitely at the start there's a lot of like I've got a lot of things to get through I've got this many pages to do it we're gonna put it into all these panels and go uh, and it's like by the end you get a much better sense of pacing and scale you need it for the God Warrior stuff so I'm glad it gets it. Um, but it's definitely on like we'll, we'll be willing to like space the panels out, blow them up, um, do a double splash page if the moment needs it, uh, orient you in the in the scenes a bit better. Because um, I I think that you can like see a real progression of how much better that gets from the first volume to the to the final one. Yes, because it's it's just very talky and overstuffed at the beginning, and uh, the stuff especially with her just writing on the God of War is just incredible and like quiet and good. There's just a ton of space to it all. Oh, the other thing, the thing you mentioned earlier about um, Kushana in the movie and the emperors is that's just shining heresy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> this is what you come to us for. This is the parallels that no one will make because they're cowards. <laughs> we the bottom fandom's here. Don't, wor- don't worry about I it. I mean, like, Nausicaa is like legitimately one of the most influential like anime manga in that yes. exists so yes. it makes sense that we see it in everything because it isn't everything yeah like yeah like getting this in a magazine every week would or every month would completely change how you make things i'm, I'm guessing you know in the magazine kid. at the time also yeah. <laughs> and also that that's also a thing about the size too right it's printed i mean my volumes are like printed magazine size yes it's a it was a big have. book yeah. Mm-hmm. No, well, not, not the big. They put out that big volume, and that thing is just ugh. Because it's, it's like it's not in um, it's not in like Jump, right? It's in an, it's in it's a, the it's, anime it was, magazine. It's yeah. not in the the, the yeah. manga place. It's very. It's like five star stories is in um new type. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Man, I should I should watch five star stories. <laughs> uh... I mean, 
any more any more takes on on Nasuka you want to get through? I feel like we we've had a good discussion. I'm just trying to sit. Oh, the thing that always I forget about until I read it is that she's the eleventh child. Yes. yes, I mean yes. The the movie goes uh, the the manga goes so hard on like yeah people die here a lot and not in tragic like, tragic the wrong word not in like ways of import. <laughs> Um, well, the, the specifically called in the last volume, it says that her mother told her about this and that she's giving the poison in her to her children as she's trying to give birth to them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they have to have that many kids to just get to have kids and how tragic that is. I mean, I, I feel like it's not presented as like necessarily like tr- tragic. It's more just like this is the exhaustion of this being a fact of your reality. Like it's gone so past. Like it's just the truth for everyone, right? Like they, they say yeah, yeah. on the... Uh, like young people are the biggest resource we have because it's just hard to build a population when the world is like this. Well, yeah, like the kids die rapidly, and then if you're if you manage to make it to like middle age, you're going to get overcome with like the sicknesses of the poisoned wor- world, right? Yep. Like everyone's like seizing up, and as like a hardening sickness takes them. Uh, and all the the like of age guys are just going to war, like. Uh... I feel like it does a good job of portraying this stuff as uh, sad, but not um, like it. It just weaves it into being the fabric of the reality of this world in a way that doesn't feel necessarily overwrought. Even though there are a lot of overwrought things in the manga, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like this stuff is handled really well. Yeah. Kurotawa was good too. I like that guy. He's such a slime he's, ball. He's, he's, he's such he's, a good, a good slime, slime ball. ball. And so much, so many more horrible things happened to him in the book than in the movie. I was amazed that he was still alive as long as he was. The best one is when they turn on the like the broken Corvette, and then he's just shot out the back while it takes off. Yes. <laughs> He, because he like ends up flipping from situation to situation, getting get looking like progressively more just dead. Yes, <laughs> and this is a world where you get like actual weird zombie creatures who are like uh, zombies. Wrong way, but like like you get people who are just so old and broken that they're just husks. And then Norska turns around and they've died while she wasn't looking. <laughs> like, uh, do you get that kind of body uh, extreme stuff? Whereas he gets that, but not in that way. Just through the amount of shit he goes through. <laughs> He's just so beaten up for seven volumes. I'm glad they put him in the movie because he'd be a thing you could easily not put in that thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Especially with so so much else that gets cut. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, what I think they... also that comedy scene with the Emperor when it gets, he, he finally gets thrown off the bridge, his head. <laughs> yes. Because <Yep. laughs> he, he can't die, so they just kind of leave his head around. She's carrying his head around for the rest of it because they're, they're, they're betrothed. Nope. Remember, bring that right. Yeah, they they get their husband and wife at the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, that plot line. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he's, he's, he's like, he, I know you're going to kill her. me, but it's a political marriage, so, and it sounds fun, so let's just do this. And then she immediately <laughs> starts trying to kill him. Because <laughs> he's like, yo, we should get married, but like not like that. You can fuck who you want, but wouldn't it, wouldn't it be cool as shit, though? Like, think of the possibilities that this opens up for the world. You can stab me as much as you want. <laughs> Oh, it's good. <laughs> I'm very glad I read it. I wouldn't have read it without a push. I'd have probably watched it one day, but I would, I'm would. i glad I actually went. Yes, I also had no real intention of reading this, and I was really surprised by it. Um, 
One of the things, there was something I was going to bring up that I thought was uh, interesting. Oh, one of the things I like is Nausicaa and, like, the two princes of, like, whatever kingdom they're at. And when they get to the vault and there's just all of the old cultures there. And so these guys just end up start playing, like, old music. Oh, yeah, that seems amazing. Yes. And they reference that again in in the vault. Um, the, 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 the consciousness inside the... Th- the crypt says we're only going to bring back the parts of humanity that we like. Yes. Like the, the art and the culture and not the technology, basically mm-hmm. I'm guessing in a weird, like, like subjective view of what comes back and what doesn't after the world's pure. Yeah. Fuck's alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. Sorry for that one. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's what it is. <laughs> He probably read it too. Yeah, that's right. That's why when someone says they they think they can just separate the good from the bad in all of history, and that's just a canonical choice you can make, you blow them up with your god. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always also forget that it goes right. It goes like directly for the nuke metaphor right at the very end. Yeah. Yes, it's not subtle. No, he's radiating usually... everyone. Well, no, like when it blasts the, the, yeah, the crypt and the crypt blasts back, and then it just explodes. Yeah, and it's also made of the crypts made of living stuff, so it's all like, like, it's all bubbling over and bleeding. Uh, this comic has so much gross shit. <laughs> yes, like, in both like the good ways and like the actual like bleak ways. Like the war scenes are actually really hard to read sometimes. Yes, mm-hmm. but the the one that just gets into pure fungal stuff, it's like I don't like looking at this. <laughs> I do not like looking at this, Miyazaki. I don't like funguses. <laughs> And then, like, uh, by the time it's getting to, like, the mold, and uh, she's covered in the serum, and the entire, like, scene... Like, there's, there's bits in the middle during the mold situation that you're like, is, is there anything left? Is there any world left? Is this just it? Is it just gross gook now? Uh, <laughs> uh, uh. And the answer is yes. <laughs> but they're all on very high mountains. <laughs> yes. I guess there people didn't mention were the... Are Selim and his... The people that live in the forest? Yeah. That scene's really cool too, and they're like they're like they're like drinking eggs, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you have like you have like the people of the forest who like have learned what the bugs are and like commune with them, but then you also have like the worm people, the worm handlers, who oh, are yeah. who are just like a like debased a version mob. of that, where like they they worship the bugs, but just like they're just like the grimy dune guys, right? Like they're, they're mercenaries, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, you mentioned earlier that it reminds you more of um, European comics, mm-hmm. and Miyazaki was had a really good friendship with Mobius. Oh, okay, they, they that makes like, a lot of sense then. <laughs> uh, they're, they're, they did a they did a collaboration for I think it was either Angle or San Diego that was just them each drawing. Um, you know, have you read or uh, you probably haven't read Azrak, right? No, the one where the guys flying on the dino. No, I have not. But this, but they draw each other's stuff all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very. It comes off a lot in this comic that what he was reading. <laughs> Do we have any more? Any more takes? Any more takes? Any more takes? Last call for takes. <laughs> uh, it's good. It's good. I, good. I I ended up really positive on it, and I, I was uh, surprised because, like I said, I thought the first half was like pretty rough. <laughs> the other really brutal scene that I like a lot is actually the last one is um the one that's not when Nausicaa's not there and they're trying to defuse everyone from fighting again. In the last volume, yeah. Between everything else, uh, when Yuka blows his arm off and then gets stabbed a bunch, yes. All oh, right, he does blow his own arm off. 
God. He holds a grenade so that it doesn't blow up anyone else. Yeah. You <laughs> look cartoonishly best. cool in this. He's like six different JRPG characters I know really well. <laughs> uh, the thing I like about uh, this comic, uh, just general like bleakness, and it's a thing that apparently was just known, like Miyazaki admitted to this, is while he was making this, like uh, Ghibli was making some of its nicest movies, like Kiki and Totoro and stuff, and he's like, I just put all the bad stuff in Nausicaa, and I got to make the nice comics, or the nice movies, and then as soon as this is over, he makes uh, Princess Mononoke, which is just the bleak, also end-of-the-world, ecological war movie, right? Um, yeah. It's good to have an outlet for your worst, uh, your most negative impulses. Yeah, I agree. You gotta know what you're making. Yep. And yeah, like the the, the parallels in all the characters in Mononoke to this are like almost they line up really well. Mm-hmm. Like the Iron Town Lady is just Kushana, basically. Yeah, a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. But also, this saved us of Kiki's delivery service having a gun in it. <laughs> give Kiki a gun. <laughs> no, don't give Kiki a gun. Oh, the other thing. I really like the flashbacks, or like the not the flashbacks, but like they're like memories when the, like he takes out the detail. And it's just really, like, really faintly drawn. Mm-hmm. And it's most of the time she's a child, like, with a baby worm walking around. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. Yeah, this all being, like, pencil work gives it a very unique quality that I don't really associate with other manga. Uh, yeah, the, the vibe is very interesting because uh, it just doesn't look like other things. Yeah. There's another thing that came out in um, 83 that was, like, 184 page watercolor thing he did that see, a lot of people look as, as the prototype to this and Mononoke it's cool to look at but it's not translated I don't think okay okay definitely and he, a glance at like, that. the weirdest part was that in like 2015 he announced he was doing a new comic mm-hmm. which seems wild because of how old he is but then nothing came of it and it was a, it was, about, it was a samurai comic about like a, a warring period Huh. And the art looked really good, but then it just disappeared off the face of the earth, and it's kind of a bummer. I mean, I should mean he just was like, why don't I make a movie instead? Because he's making another movie now. Uh-huh. Uh, after <laughs> literally making a movie about retiring. Because <laughs> that's what Windows oh, yeah, Look, he's like, only retired when he's dead. This is what happens when you're this kind of person. If I were going to do that, I would simply not make a movie about retiring. Well, you always have good intentions, right? <laughs> yep. Gonna get my life together next week. Don't worry about it. I, I, I let me tell you about next week. <laughs> <laughs> All the things that are gonna happen to my life next week. It's gonna be great. I'm gonna be on time with everything. I'm gonna drink. Although I'm not, water. I'm not sure if Jackson's read this, but I know you have. Em. Um, this is he read Dune, right? Yeah. Hundred twenty percent. Yeah. No. The yes. Bunch he of read Dune all in here. Dune. <laughs> <laughs> he read like. Late Dune, too, I'm guessing. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's good stuff. Good. That's all I think of when I, think, when I see the Dorak stuff. That's all I think of is just Dune. Yeah. They're, yeah. It's a lot of... Uh, and, and, like, the Wormhanders are literally just, like, still suits. They're just wearing still suits. Yeah. Uh, I think that's all I've got, yeah. so... Uh-huh. I think that's it for the podcast. Uh, thank you very cool. much, Rick, for being yeah. here. Yeah. No problem. Um, and we have another one of these coming next month, I think, uh, where we are going to be watching Paranoia Agent. So please look forward to that. Oh, I haven't seen that. Uh, I haven't seen it in a long time. So, 
very excited for that so we'll see you next month uh, yeah um this has its own feed like like not on the patreon if you're listening to this on patreon if you want to show your friends these episodes this has like a page on the website you go to patreon.com or not just go to abnormalmapping.com and it's there if you're listening to this and you don't uh know about our gundam podcast you can go to patreon.com slash mapping and for a dollar a month you get me and jackson talking about gundam every week and other anime besides uh yeah. if you want to if you want to hear us talk about how uh evangelion rebuild 2.0 just steals the end of this comic directly uh we're <laughs> gonna talk about that tomorrow <laughs> and it'll be out it's by good. the time this episode comes out <laughs> it's good that we watched this read this right before we can have this conversation because yes. it is the same <laughs> <laughs> uh goodbye everyone thank you very much rick we'll see you next yes. uh, see everyone next time podcast Yeah.